What do goats and sheep have to do with the second coming of Jesus and being ready for his return? In a recent blog, Goats and Soda, which is an NPR blog by Mark Silver, Stories of Life in a Changing World, he posted an article discussing the research of Alan McGelgott. He is a senior lecturer in animal behavior at the Queen Mary University of London. Now, the research he and his colleagues conducted focused on how to know if goats are happy. Now, I won't get into the reasons why that research was so important, because there was something else even more interesting to me than the research itself. Now, to illustrate the story, there was a picture of a goat. When the photographer was taking the picture, the farmer referred to it as his goatee. And to those who didn't know any better, that's what it looked like, a goat. However, someone who was very familiar with animals like goats, sheep, cattle, and deer pointed out that this was not a goat at all. Most people thought it was, but with her trained eye, she noticed something that told her that it wasn't. It was actually a sheep. How could she tell? It was the ears. Goats have small ears that stick out, and the animal in that picture had flappy ears. Well, needless to say, the author of the blog, Goats and Soda, was a bit embarrassed that he didn't know the difference between goats and sheep. He discovered that usually the easiest way to tell the difference between the two is by the tail, but in the picture he posted, you could only see the face. Sheep and goats. Why is that distinction so important to make? Did it really matter if it was a sheep or a goat? In our study today, we'll find out just how critical that distinction really is. My name is Chris Holland, and this is Unlocking Bible Prophecies, Digging Deeper. I want to welcome you to another episode of Unlocking Bible Prophecies, Digging Deeper, where we get into the Bible and look at the major prophecies of the Bible and dig deep into the study of God's Word. Now, if you've missed any of the episodes of Unlocking Bible Prophecies, Digging Deeper, I want to invite you to go to www.awr.org forward slash Bible. And there you will find the archives of the Digging Deeper program. Now, additionally, you'll find a link to our masterclass taught by Cami Utman. You don't want to miss out on the opportunity to take that masterclass. Now, if you have a Bible question or you have a prayer request, you also can sign up there and click on those links and ask a question or make a prayer request. Now, I also want to make a very special offer to you. Right now, we have live Zoom Bible studies happening. You can sign up there at awr.org forward slash Bible and become a part of one of these small group that happens over Zoom. Now, as we begin our study today, let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, as we open your Bible, we pray and ask that you would lead us into all truth Please help us to not only understand, 
but help us to be changed and transformed, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, have you ever wondered what the difference is between a sheep and a goat? Now, I'm guessing probably not. And maybe because, like blogger Mark Silver, you think it's pretty obvious which is which. But as he learned, you can't just look at a picture to make that determination. You need to observe how it behaves and what are the characteristics. Now, I'm not a farmer, and I want to be very careful to not speak as any kind of expert, as I personally have not worked much with goats and with sheep. However, with a little bit of research, one would find some very noted differences. For example, goats are considered browsers. They nibble at their food, which is usually leaves, tender shoots, or other soft vegetation. Often, they just eat the very tips. But sheep, on the other hand, they are grazers. They will feed for hours at a time, eating small portions of food all day long. They love clover and grasses, and they'll eat them right down to the soil. Now, goats are naturally curious creatures, but very independent. Sheep, on the other hand, they like to be a part of a flock. They're more social. They like to be around other sheep, and in fact, when a sheep is away from the flock, they become agitated and upset. Now, another interesting difference is that most goats have hair while sheep have wool. Now, there are probably many more differences too, but you might be asking yourself, why is this so important that we understand the differences between sheep and goats? Well, friends, because spiritually speaking, the consequence for getting it wrong is much more serious than just to have to take down one picture and put up a new one. Now, we have been studying about hope for a helpless planet. We have looked at the signs of Jesus' return. We've studied how Jesus is going to return, the manner of his return, and we found all of that in Matthew chapter 24. And as we have seen, Matthew chapter 25 shows us then how to be ready. Jesus said himself, watch and be ready. And Matthew 25 answers the question of how to be ready for the return of Jesus. Now today, we are going to be studying the third and final parable of this chapter. And so, let's open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 25. In Matthew chapter 25, beginning in verse 31, Jesus gives us a preview of what the great judgment day will look like. So let's go to Matthew chapter 25, beginning in verses 31 to 33. The Bible says this, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another, as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. When all the nations of the world are gathered before Jesus, he separates them into two categories, and only two. And using metaphorical or symbolic language, he compares that separation to a shepherd who divides his sheep 
and his goats. Now, in the parable, Jesus places the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left hand. And he does this in order to separate the sheep from the goats. But in order to do that, Jesus has to be able to tell the difference between the two. And as we have seen, sometimes it takes an expert to see those differences. Now remember that in order to tell the difference between a sheep and a goat, you must observe. You must observe how it acts and what its characteristics are. And that is what all of heaven has been doing for millennia, observing us to see what or who we are and really the question, whose we are. So based on Jesus, infinitely good and righteous judgment, he separates them out. And the first line of distinction is where they are placed. In the Bible, the right hand is a symbol of power and favor. The sheep seem to be favored over the goats for some reason. Why is this? Well, let's find out more from the Bible itself and read about it in verses 34 to 36. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Did you hear that? These sheep, which represent God's true people, are invited to come and inherit the kingdom that has been prepared for them. And what have these sheep done to receive such an inheritance? You know, when you receive an inheritance, it is because you have done something, right? No, not usually. It's usually just because you happen to be someone's son or daughter or related to someone. Parents tend to look more fondly on those children who have taken care of them in their will. And Jesus is no different. He says, inherit the kingdom for or because. What does he say? I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. Inherit the kingdom because I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger. I was naked. I was sick. I was in prison and you took care of me. The sheep respond, but instead of referring to them as sheep, Jesus now refers to them as the righteous. Notice that change in verses 37 to 40. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, When did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick and in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, in as much as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. You know, sheep, sheep form relationships and have a loyalty to the other sheep. And most importantly, 
to the shepherd. Sheep are a fitting description of God's people at the end of time, the righteous. Jesus makes this analogy abundantly clear in John chapter 10 and verse 4 when he says this, and when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. Sheep know the voice of the shepherd. And for God's people, that shepherd is Jesus Christ. They watch him. They follow him. They go where he leads. They listen to his voice. My dear friends, the life of Jesus was one of completely selfless service, and he showed a divine love and compassion to all that he came into contact with. And I don't want you to miss this. His sheep, his people, the righteous, follow that example. They do works of kindness. They feed the hungry. They provide drink to the thirsty. They provide shelter to the homeless, clothing for the naked. They comfort and bring healing for the sick. Do do you see what's happening here? Jesus is inviting those individuals into heaven who have not just proclaimed their loyalty to him, but he's inviting those into heaven who have demonstrated his unselfish life in their own life and have demonstrated a selfless love to others just as Jesus did. Now, Right now, I know what someone is thinking. Someone's saying, wait, 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 wait. Are you saying that people are saved by their works? Not at all. And I've explained this before. I fully believe the words of Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. I also believe the words of Paul in Titus 3, 5, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. You see, those who will go to heaven are saved by the grace and mercy of God alone. I want you to notice something very interesting, though. While we are not saved by our works, listen to these words from the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 20 and verse 13. Revelation chapter 20 and verse 13. What does the Bible say? The Bible says this, and they were judged, each one according to his own works. Wait, that seems a bit confusing. I, I don't want you to be confused. And I don't want to confuse you anymore. But listen to the words of Jesus in Matthew 16, 27. For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. Now, I want you to listen, and I want you to listen very carefully. This is a key point. I want you to really put your ears, open them up, and hear. Listen very carefully. 
We are saved 100% by the grace and mercy of God. It is his gift to us as we make a decision to follow him. But we are judged by our works. And one might ask, how in the world does that work? We see, friends, as Jesus enters our life, as we make a decision to follow him, and he saves a sinner like me and like you, None of us deserve his salvation. His grace and his mercy makes me worthy of being saved. Jesus makes my imperfect heart and my imperfect life perfect in him. And Jesus invites me to come as I am. Wherever you are right now, friend, Jesus invites you to come as you are, to ask for his grace and mercy, to ask to be in a a relationship with him. He invites you to come as you are, but he doesn't want you to stay the same. He invites you to receive his grace and his mercy which will then give the power to change. You see, as we make a decision to follow Jesus Christ, he cleanses us and takes away our sin. The promise of 1 John 1, 9 is that he forgives our sins and cleanses us of all unrighteousness. And that word cleanse gives the idea of an entirely clean slate. And then the Holy Spirit enters our life. And as the Holy Spirit enters our life, the Holy Spirit, he begins to change us. How so? Well, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 tells us exactly how the Holy Spirit begins to change us. This is what the Bible says, Galatians 5, beginning in verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit, let me pause there, the fruit of the Spirit. What is it saying? As the Holy Spirit enters my life, the fruit that is produced by the Spirit abiding in me is this. What is that fruit? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. You see, as we walk with Jesus and as we give our life to him, the Holy Spirit enters our life and then produces fruit. And that fruit is called in the Bible, the fruit of the Spirit. And that's why Jesus says in Matthew 7, 20, therefore by their fruits, you will know them. You know, several years ago, I learned the art of grafting trees, specifically apple trees. And over the years, I have probably tried close to 100 or 150 different varieties of apples. And you know, 
If I go into an orchard, I'm pretty good at being able to identify what is an apple tree versus what is a peach tree or a cherry tree. But you know, here's the reality. I really wouldn't know with absolute certainty until something happened. Until those trees produced fruit. And it is here that lies the principle of the Christian life. The fruit we bear demonstrates who we are. This is why the Bible can say we are saved by the grace of God but judged by our works. This is why Solomon wrote in the book of Ecclesiastes these words in chapter 12 and verse 14, for God will bring every work into judgment including every secret thing, whether good or evil. You see, our works or our actions speak to who we really are. It's not just about what we say we are, but how we demonstrate what we are. What is, what is that old saying? Actions speak louder than words. The sheep in this parable have done good. But remember, our doing good isn't putting together some kind of checklist of good deeds where I try and try and try and accumulate enough good deeds to offset my bad deeds. No, we're saved by grace and as the grace of Jesus works in us, it transforms us and changes us into the person that God wants us to be who naturally does acts of kindness because that is the fruit that Jesus wants each of us to yield. God has changed individuals so much. And in this parable, God has changed them so much that they don't even recognize that they are doing these things. What does that mean? That means is that it just simply comes naturally. What a beautiful message of hope. Those who are being transformed into the likeness of Jesus do the works of Jesus, and now he invites them. He invites them to be home with him eternally. And that word transformation, by the way, is an important word. In the Bible, the word transformation is the word metamorphosis. It is the same thing that happens when a caterpillar transforms into a butterfly, Jesus wants you to experience a metamorphosis. You know, I, I wish the parable ended there, but it doesn't. It doesn't, unfortunately, because there's another group, those on the left, those that are referred to as goats, their story isn't as bright. In fact, the story is very, very sad. The words of Jesus are almost painful to read. Listen to verses 41 to 46. Then he will say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. 
For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not take me in. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them saying, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. These will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Those on the left are judged by the same principle. They are judged by their works. But this group, This group has neglected the hungry. They've ignored the thirsty. They've shunned the homeless. They've overlooked the naked and they've disregarded the sick. Interestingly enough, they too didn't know. But for them, their lack of knowledge is for a very different reason. You see, the goats... The unrighteous. They were oblivious to the needs of those around them. They were oblivious to the needs in their community. They didn't have a life-giving relationship with Jesus. These are individuals that are self-centered. And they sense no need of Jesus. And because they sense no need of Jesus, they don't bear good fruit. But I want you to notice that this group, the lost, they don't have to be lost. You see, in verses 41 and 46, it describes the destination of those who won't go to heaven. It calls it the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels or everlasting punishment. Now, this word everlasting describes the permanence of their situation. And that it cannot be undone. But did you notice something there? This everlasting punishment. We might call it hell. It is prepared for a very specific group. Who does the verse say that it's prepared for? It's been prepared for the devil and his angels. Hell is prepared to be the final destination of destruction for the devil, the wicked one, the accuser of the brethren, and his angels. And I want you to capture this now. Hell was and is never intended to have one human being there. But why does this happen? You see, in life, we have two choices. Two choices. We either can follow Jesus or we can follow our own way. Our own way is ultimately choosing the path of Satan because the path of Satan is a path of rebellion and selfishness. The final destruction of hellfire was never prepared for human beings, but human beings who cling to their sin and selfishness so much 
that they're unwilling to let it go and come to Jesus and be freed from their sin, they will be destroyed with their sin, which is destroyed with the devil. And my friends, that is the saddest story of the Bible. The reason this is a tragedy is that it doesn't have to be this way. You see, Jesus stretches out his arms and he says, come to me, come and I will offer you eternal life. But there seems to be a whole group, a whole group that seems to be familiar with a theory of religion. But the gospel has affected no change in their lives. There is no fruit. And Jesus cries out to us today. And he says, my salvation is free. Come to me. Romans 10, 13 makes this promise. It's such a simple promise. For whoever, that includes me and you. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. When Jesus calls us, he invites us to come as we are. You don't need to come to Jesus perfect. You come as you are. And then as we come to Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, he changes us that we might bear beautiful fruit. You see, Jesus does a miraculous work for us. And then he does a miraculous work in us. And over time, as the Holy Spirit works in our life, the fruit in our life begins to ripen. And we, as a follower of Jesus, are being constantly cultivated and pruned and watered so that we might continue to be productive. And more and more we will produce the fruits of the Spirit And as we produce more and more of those good works that Jesus mentions in these parables, we become more like him. You know, friend, maybe maybe right now you've been thinking about going and buying a fruit tree for your backyard. Maybe you're going to go buy an apple tree and that, that tag says it's an apple tree. It looks like an apple tree. And in fact, you believe it to be an apple tree. But here's the reality. You won't really know that it's an apple tree until it produces fruit. And in the same way, dear friends, we can confess to being a Christian. We can even attend a church. We can look the part. We can attend an AWR Zoom Bible study. But there's a deeper question. And the deeper question is this. What does the fruit in our lives say about who we are? Oh, my dear friend, it's time. Jesus is coming soon. And he is saying, watch and be ready. And part of getting ready is to have a real living faith that is active and producing good fruit. The fruit we bear doesn't save us. It just clarifies who we are and most importantly, whom we are we serve. Can you imagine, dear friends? I want you to imagine right now. There are people watching this program all around the world. I want you to imagine for just a moment what would happen in our communities around the world if each one of us watching today took the charge of Jesus seriously. Could you imagine what might happen all across the world? 
in large cities, in small cities, in villages, in remote communities, what might happen if every individual came to Jesus Christ and as a believer in Christ felt compelled to look around his or her community and provide for the needs that exist there. That is what the ministry of Jesus was all about. That's what Jesus did. What would happen, my dear friends? What would the world look like today? The ancient Greek general, Alexander the Great, was very successful. When in battle, he took risks. In fact, when you read some of the historical accounts of his battles, he seemed to have no fear. But there is a saying that's attributed to Alexander the Great, and it says this, I am not afraid of an army of lions led by a sheep. I am afraid of an army of sheep led by a lion. My dear friends, Jesus, the lion of the tribe of Judah, is looking for an army of sheep to go across our communities, in every nation represented by the people watching right now and throughout the world to demonstrate his life of love and compassion. And Jesus will lead this army as he is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He goes before us to clear the way. He goes before us to show us the way because, my dear friends, Jesus is the way. Do you want to be a part of that army? Do you want to be one of those sheep who hear the good shepherd's voice and follow him wherever he goes? Maybe you have been too blind to see where he has been leading. Maybe your ears have been too deaf to hear his voice. Maybe your mind has been so foggy that you can't seem to understand what he is saying. And maybe your heart has been too hard to respond. My dear friends, I want you to listen now. Jesus is not only the good shepherd, but Jesus is the great physician. He is the great physician who can open your deaf ears to his voice. He can open your blind eyes to his leading. He can take that foggy mind and clear it that you might understand and then he can operate on that stony heart and give you a new heart of flesh that can feel and respond to his love. My friends, we cannot change ourselves by simply digging our heels in and trying harder. We can only be changed by giving our life fully to Jesus And when we do so, he changes us. Jesus is calling you today. And he encourages you by saying that these changes, they won't happen by might or power. But they will only happen by his Holy Spirit. My dear friends, I invite you today. I'm inviting you right now to listen to the voice of Jesus and follow where he leads His voice 
may never again be as clear to you today. He will give you the strength and courage to follow him. I'm I'm begging you, friend. Choose to fully surrender to him today. Surrender to him and become a part of this army of sheep, an army of sheep led by the lion of the tribe of Judah, which will conquer the world. And my friends, if you choose to be a part of that army, then you will be a part of that group that hears the sweet voice of Jesus that says to come and be a part of his family in the kingdom. Will you make that decision today? If you're willing to make that decision, I want you to go to awr.org forward slash Bible. Keep this playing. Don't go away from this page. Keep this playing because I have a few more things and I want to pray for you. But go right now to www.awr.org forward slash Bible and there, either in the prayer request or in the Ask a Bible question section, simply say, I want to follow Jesus. I want to give my heart fully to him. And I want to be prepared for his soon coming. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I want to pray for my dear friends that are watching this program right now. Lord, your holy word says, now is the time. Today is the day. Now is the time for salvation. I pray. Maybe there's somebody watching who's just tuned in. Maybe they have been burned by Christianity through the hypocrisy that they see. And now they're hearing the message of love that you have. Oh Lord, help that person right now. Give them strength to make the decision to follow you wherever you lead. Lord, I pray that you would be with the individual who is right now desiring that close relationship but just not knowing what to do next. Lord, lead them in what they do next. And Lord, I want to pray. Maybe there's someone who's been a Christian all their life but they've been bearing bad fruit. Right now, that individual, Lord, is wanting a changed heart. I pray that you would enter their life and take that stony heart and turn it into a heart of flesh that they might have the love and compassion of your son, Jesus. Lord, we want to be ready. We want to be at your right hand. We want to be one of the righteous sheep in the army of the lion of the tribe of Judah. So please, Lord, help us to be a part of that group and in that number. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. My dear friend, I don't want you to forget. Go to www.awr.org forward slash Bible. We want to hear from you. It's not too late. Leave a prayer request there. Ask a Bible question. Register so you can become a part of the Digging Deeper family where you'll get a special invitation to be a part of our Facebook family group. My dear friends, I want you today to make the decision to be a part of that army that Jesus is 
putting together. My dear friends, I want you to remember these words. God bless each of you. Remember, we have the prophetic word confirmed in this very book, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. I pray that the morning star Jesus is rising in your heart today. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you again next time. God bless. enjoyed listening to the end time prophetic events whether you've never before opened a bible or have been studying it all your life you'll gain new insights from this series by looking at revelation and daniel as well as other books of the bible you'll find that the bible itself clearly unlocks the mysteries of bible prophecies this will transform what may feel like a confusing book into something clear and understandable if you want to learn more Bible truth, or ask a Bible question, or perhaps find freedom, healing, and hope in Jesus, please give us a call. Our WhatsApp number is plus one two four zero two 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 zero seven seven seven. We are certain that you'll gain a deeper understanding of Jesus' love for you, and emerge with an even closer relationship with Him. For more information, visit us on the web at bible.awr.org or send us an email at bible.awr.org. Ami bitmo tumar shorbo ghame o bahibo nanek shakhe Bolchi bhai bonde takbo ami shikhane Amen.
Shakole to 
Go! 